I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. So just to recap the first hour of the show. Joe Gambardella up to a line with Nugent Hopkins and Chase on. Oil Kings, happy with their shot total, going to keep pushing in Medicine Hat. Bakersfield Condors, close to getting a playoff spot. Captain Cisco, the consensus for which Star Trek captain you as the collective listeners would most like to have dinner with. And I have a young colleague who's never read a book. That's a recap of the first hour of the show. Captain Picard came in second. Nothing for Captain Lorca from Star Trek Discovery, which, yes, I'm currently watching in my spare time. You can text 630-630, phone number is 780-496-0063. Early in the third, Maple Leafs leading the Panthers 5-2. Tavares has a hat trick. Also in the third, 2-2, Sabres and Devils. 4-2, 4-2, Penguins leading the Rangers. Late second period, Boston up 3-2 on Tampa Bay. Early second period, 1-0 St. Louis over Vegas. After the first, Nashville leads Minnesota 1-zip. No score early second period in Winnipeg between the Jets and the Stars. Kings and Flames just about to get underway. Red Wings and Sharks coming up at 8:30. Oilers home to the Kings tomorrow. Seven games left in the season uh, for the Oilers. Playoff hopes are microscopic. They uh, will likely finish with a better point total than last season, though obviously last year's total was uh, pretty underwhelming as well. 5.30 face-off show on 6.30, Chad Game at 7. Tomorrow, Oilers and Kings. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins, and I'm pleased to welcome to the show, looking forward to talking to this man, Jonathan Harkey, Golden Bears football offensive lineman. Jonathan, thanks for checking in tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's nice to have you on the show. And, uh, you know, <laughs> look, I almost hate to do this to you because you busted your butt for the Edmonton Wildcats for five seasons. You played for the U of A Golden Bears. And are you thinking, like, I have to do a lot, bunch of bench presses to get some interviews? <laughs> or or, or what's, what's, what's it been like since you had this great bench press showing at the Combine here? Uh, it's been a it's been a really cool experience. I've been having kind of my limelight a little bit, you know, in Toronto, obviously having interviews afterwards and with Brody and uh, Marshall Ferguson, and now having a good interview with you. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a cool experience. All right, so tell me a little bit about uh, what happened in Toronto at the combine. Give give every give people a sense of everything that happens there before we get into the specifics of the bench press. Because I, I mean, there's more than just that, right? There's a lot going on. Yeah, so a big part of the combine is uh, the team interviews that you have with the CFL teams. Uh, I think those are probably the most important of them because that's where the teams get to see you like what type of character you are type of person you are and you want to obviously leave a good impression with them so like the very first day when you land in toronto and stuff you 
you have your, you have your team interviews with the teams that want to check you out, see what you're all about, and then the next day you get to have the get to have the fun. And what what are the interviews like? What are the, some of the questions they ask you? Is it is it pretty standard, or do they sometimes they try to catch you off guard a little bit? Uh, a little bit is it. It's, uh, some of them are very standard questions. I know uh, last year uh, some of the guys uh, from Ottawa they interviewed guys asking uh, if you were a donut, what kind of donut would you be? So they kind of throw little questions like that to catch you off guard, kind of see your response. Unfortunately, I didn't get any bizarre questions, but I would have enjoyed them as a way. No, you, you'd be all in on those, eh? You'd have some fun with them? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I would have had some fun with it if I got a bizarre question, but unfortunately, <laughs> it was they were very standard. What kind of person are you? Why do you like to play football? Type of questions. I, I think sometimes they ask those questions. They're not really sure what you... what they, I don't know if they care what your answer is. I think they just want to gauge your reaction to it. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. Like I, like I always tell myself, I kind of prepared for it. I, I'd say I was a Canadian maple. Oh, that'd, nice. <laughs> that'd be my answer. I'm a, I'm a Tim Hortons fan. So, all right, that's that's perfect. Jonathan Harkey joining us from the uh, U of A Golden Bears. All right. So, what other physical type of stuff did you do? And did you find it, yeah, you know, grueling? Do they try to tire you out, or do they let you feel pretty prepared? Take us through some of the physical measurements and all that stuff they want to gather. So they, they split up the field testing drills with uh, the 40-yard dash, uh, the L drill, which is like the three cones. Uh, they have the shuttle, which is five yards, uh, five ten five, and then they uh, finish with the broad jump. So they're kind of all tests to see if you've been training, have you put on the speed, have you, do you have the explosion, uh, explosiveness to be productive in the CFL. And then after all the field testing is done, they kind of put the, they let us put it, put on the pads and snack noggins for a little bit so that that's a really good time okay well yeah as i'm sure as an offensive lineman you didn't have any problem with that all right so the bench press the the the, the story that is coming out of this that was getting your name in the headlines you have to do a 225 pound bench press and you did 32 reps now was this like expected or like are you is this your specialty or, or tell me through hitting this hitting this mark because you were the only person over 30 at the combine yeah, this is kind of a. I excel at the. Uh, I excel at bench press. I have some pretty strong arms. There's, people say I have short arms, and that kind of benefits benefits uh, me for it. But I was uh, I was hoping for 35, but to get 32, uh, I uh, I'm happy with the with the results I got. But it would have been nice to have a higher number, as always. Well, well what's your pers- What was your personal best going in? That was my personal. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, and, and you, they originally had you down for thirty-three. Why'd they take one away? Uh, so you have there's like certain rules. Uh, you can't can't let your feet come off the the floor. Uh, your 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 butt or your hips have to stay on the on the bench the whole time, and you have to have full lockout. But it's kind of hard at rep twenty-six and stuff like that. Your you kind of your hips start coming off the bench, so. I think I got docked one because I kind of started to cheat. Okay, all right. So tell me a little bit about your uh, what what happens now. I mean, obviously the draft is coming up. I think in about seven weeks. I think it's early May. Um, like, are you are you feeling like yeah, somebody's going to grab me, or are you trying not to think about that, or what's your approach going into the CFL draft? Uh, 
I kind of try not to think about it a little bit. I hope I hope I made an impression on uh, on at least one of the teams that's going to take a shot in early May to at least draft me or invite me out to camp. But uh, I kind of want to keep it in the back of my head so I don't stress over it and uh, pull out my hair. But I'm looking forward to it, and I think I I think I'll hear my name. Okay. In, uh, early May. And yeah, and you're and you're done with university, right? You don't have any eligibility left. Yeah, unfortunately, no. I'm too old to play any more U sports. So. Okay, and so you did full five years with the Wildcats, didn't you? Yes. Two time lineman of the year. Yep. Okay, so I mean, you're you're pretty accomplished lineman. Uh, did you, where where'd you grow up, Jonathan? Uh, Sherwood Park. Okay, and where'd you play high school ball? Uh, Beth Basie High School. Who do you uh, want to credit if you want to give any person or people a shout out for either getting you into football or really uh, pushing you along the way? Uh, I think I would have to go to like all the coaches along the way, especially um, when I started really excelling at football kind of at at Beth Basie. So all the coaches there, like Coach Spady, I think he was my first real coach that helped me out. And then when I got to the Cats, Coach Tishka, uh, he was a really uh, influential line coach, especially Coach Park. You know, uh, I really uh, took me under his wing, and I'm really happy that I had a great five years at the Cats. And then, obviously, uh, going to the Bears, Coach Morris and Coach Terrace Palawada. You know, they're really great old line coaches. So it's really it's been a fun career having those coaches kind of lead me on the on the CFL path. All right, and you've had uh, who do we have in the CFL? You had Lawrence there, at Lawrence and Cordy, right? Yeah, have already been drafted off the Bears' O line in the last couple of years. Yes. Okay. What? Well, what is it about you guys, the, the program? You know, because there've been some tough years there, obviously. But what has it been specifically about the O line that it's churned out guys who've been able to go pro, and hopefully you next? Um, I think it's our. I think a bit of it has to be to our toughness. You know, I'm, I've been kind of one uh, of my this weekend in Toronto. I got a lot of uh, comparisons to Justin and being very uh, scrappy type player. So I think our O line at the U of A has this kind of fighting mentality. We may not be the biggest, but we'll take our shots when we can. So I think that kind of separates us from other O line units throughout Can West and the rest of Canada. So I think that's what kind of gives us the edge when we get to send players up to the draft is Justin when I got to play with Justin Justin was a very scrappy player very good very strong same thing with Mark very technical player but we all had this type of fighting mentality that we'll we'll scrap with the best of them so I think that's why all right kind of the edge wars. and then what are you studying in school let people know what other uh, life or career aspirations you might have besides football I'm currently studying Native studies combined with education, so hopefully I'll be a teacher one day. All right, good stuff. Well, Jonathan, thanks for sharing your story. I'm glad we got to uh, round out your career and your personality besides the bench press because obviously there's a lot to you. All the best here. I'm sure we'll talk uh, around draft time as well. Thanks for checking out Inside Sports. Thank you for having me. Good stuff there. That is Jonathan Harkey from the, uh, well, I guess he's, no longer can be a bear because his eligibility is used up. Offensive lineman hoping to go in the CFL draft in May, and he uh, got some attention at the Combine in Toronto by doing the bench press 32 times. That's a 225-pound bench press bar. He did a personal best 
32 reps. His previous best was 29, which he had during the Bears' 2018 training camp. So uh, I don't know how many some of you might be able to do. For me, probably zero. <laughs> what do you think, Kellen? 225? You're a strong guy. I could, I'd be struggling with one, I think. That's... <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we'd have a best first one to one wins. Yeah, that exactly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. First one to one. Then it might be the first one to get the yeah. bar halfway up. Now, if it was 125, then, you know, all bets Probably are more in our range. Yeah. Yeah, probably yeah. more. In, and we'd have to have motivation, a reward. Like there's, well, perhaps a, a donut waiting. He was, a, he was asked what kind of oh. donut he would be. A whole box of Canadian maple. I, I, I love some of these stories, and I've talked to players that go to the NHL Combine and the CFL Combine, and I remember talking to Curtis Lazar, the former Oil King, about going to the NHL Combine, and he said there was this thing he found kind of unusual, but testing your eyesight where you get to track a little glowing light, but the, the little details they do. And then, yeah, I think they ask the weird questions. Like, I, I don't think it matters what type of donut you actually say, I think they just want to see how you react to something unusual. You know, are you calm? Do you laugh? Do you, do you take it seriously? Do you brush it off? Do you try to think of something? But Jonathan was prepared. He had the answer going in. So maybe they look for that too. People who might be aware of the question and have something prepared. That's pretty interesting stuff. It is 719. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, uh, by the way, how about some fried chicken as a reward? Some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. They have their brunch Sunday, 11 a.m. until 2, featuring biscuits and gravy with smashed potatoes. You can visit northchickenyeg.com. You can also text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. Early goal by the Kings. They lead the Flames 1-0, five and a half minutes. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's in. Couple of texts here to six thirty six thirty. Uh, this individual says, "By the way, by the way, read the movie. The Dirt is awesome. I'm twenty five years old and loved it. I'd recommend it. The movie about Motley Crue on Netflix called The Dirt. I have not seen it. We'll have to watch it, Kellen. Maybe we should have a screening. By that, I mean we'd go home and watch it on Netflix yeah, separately." I'd- text each other while it's going we on. Would te- we would live text each other. Yeah, live text. <laughs> but you I'd... work till midnight, so I'd have to s- stay up. Yeah, and I'm busy this weekend, so. <laughs> Is this the weekend you're traveling? I can't keep it straight. No, no, no. Uh, next weekend's the weekend I'm traveling. This weekend I'm 
scrambling to try to get everything together so I can travel. So You're going to uh, WrestleFest. WrestleMania. Well, it's kind of WrestleFest, yes. Jeremy from Glendon currently attending McEwen. He's uh, approaching being in the Inside Sports Texting Hall of Fame, just a few texts away. He says, hey, Reed, I can lift 50 pierogies from the bowl to my mouth in one sitting, almost the same as a bench press. I would agree with that. That alone isn't an accomplishment. You know That's a lot a, of pierogies. You know they got a giant pierogi in Glendon, right? I'm aware of that, yes. Yes, Jeremy lives inside it. It's condos in there. All right, Oilers taking on the Los Angeles Kings tomorrow. As I mentioned, Kings up one nothing on the Calgary Flames. 13 and a half minutes left in the first period in that one. The Oilers have been riding Miko Koskinen. Ever since Cam Talbot was created, uh, traded, he started every game except one, and he was sick for that game. And Hitch has said, he's our guy. We're going to stick with him. So today, Ken Hitchcock was asked, so what do you think of Koskinen? How do you assess him since you've made him your guy? I love his competitiveness, and you know that that competitiveness is going to be his calling card. Um, I think the reality is that we're in the process of reconfiguring how you play goal in the National Hockey League as compared to Europe. And I was trying to explain this to people. All of the ice, all of the extra ice in Europe is outside the dots. And that's a rest period for goalies. There's no plays and no scoring chances that are made outside the dots. So you can take your time setting your position. You can't do that here. He's got no choice but to set his position earlier. And when people talk about the glove, this is not the glove. This has nothing to do with it. It's the legs. And, and when he learns to spend that that can only be done over time but when he learns to set quicker and he's getting better and better where he's very accomplished at it now but he needs to be elite at it when he gets to that and then we sort out the puck handling communication with the defenseman which is different again in Europe than it is here those two elements are the two areas that if when he gets better at uh, we're going to be able to see his competitiveness on a nightly basis. But you can't speed that process up, and we're working on it every day. Um, but to me, he's going to be a guy that's never going to give up on a puck. He never quits on anything, and that's going to be his calling card, which is going to be a real strength. I found that one comment from Hitch the most interesting because we have talked about the problems Koskin has had with his glove hand beaten up high in a few games this season. I mean, the uh, best example recently was the game in Vegas where clearly the Golden Knights were shooting there and he got beat a couple of times. Hitz said it's not the glove, it's the legs. So referring to the positioning and some of the adjustments he's been making from the KHL, um, again, is that a little bit of spin from Hitch? I, I I would say yes, but there's probably something to that. Um, Koskinen, you know, we were talking, Bob and I were talking about this on the face-off show the other day. He's going to be the goalie. We've seen some really good things from him this season. We've seen some poor stretches. He's 33rd in the NHL in save percentage amongst goalies who have played enough games to qualify. So if the 33rd best goalie in the NHL is your starting goalie, then it isn't going to matter very much 
what the Oilers improve next season. So Koskinen moving up to be at least a mid-range average type goaltender in the NHL is is going to be necessary for the Oilers. One of the things necessary for the Oilers to be a better team next season. Uh, this texture says, not true. His glove gives up uh, rebounds. Well, yeah, he doesn't catch pucks as well. But just telling you what Hitch is telling you. says Reed both Talbot and Koskinen have been paid to be the number one tender however neither one had previously been a number one goalie Talbot had one extraordinary season but couldn't grab the role firmly Koskinen looks good at times but has a lot of work to do this offseason there's no guarantee he can handle the role cause for concern well my answer Big L yes definitely also have a uh, text here from, uh, I believe it's Hank, who says uh, only the Oilers would pay a guy who wants to play a goalie $4.5 million a year to learn the position. Please send the rest of us this guy's agent. That is from Hank. Well, Hank, you can look that up yourself. Uh, Elaine in Castle Down says, watch the dirt this afternoon. Excellent, insightful. I never knew what sad childhoods and or tragedies they experienced, as we also discussed the Motley Crue movie tonight on Inside Sports. Here's a fun fact for you. Oh, i got to do the scoreboard. Uh, the Kings lead the Flames 1-0 in the first period. Stars up 3-0 on the Jets late second period. Also late in the second, Predators up 1-0 on the Wild. The Blues lead the Golden Knights 2-1. Start of the third, Boston leading Tampa 4-2. The Penguins have beaten the Rangers 5-2. Maple Leafs leading the Panthers 7-4. John Tavares, a four-goal night. He's up to 45 on the season. Five minutes left in that game. Late in the third, Devils leading the Sabres 2-1, even though the Sabres have a 45-20 advantage in shots on goal. I, I hope at least some of you have experienced the joy of entering an NCAA bracket pool this spring. I've gone in a couple. I just was looking at here, uh, so some, some math whizzes, some of the math guys have done some calculations. Now, they don't agree on this, which I find odd because I was always taught, well, in math, you have absolutes. The numbers never lie, but I guess you can calculate odds differently. And two of these individuals are from the same school. One professor at Duke says that the odds of having a perfect bracket in the NCAA tournament, so you fill out a bracket and you predict every game correctly. One professor at Duke says the odds are one in 2.4 trillion. Now, a trillion has 12 zeros after the first number. And another professor at Duke 
I, I had to look up how big this number actually is. Says the odds are one in nine quintillion. A quintillion has 18 zeros. And then a professor at DePaul said one in 128 billion. So uh, that's actually the best odds. It's very hard to do. And we're going to bring in a guy who uh, played NCAA hoops, Edmonton's own Steve Sir. Steve, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, Reed. How are you, man? One in nine quintillion to predict the, the totally predict the NCAA tournament. Sounds about right, eh? <laughs> well, when I first heard that, I thought of uh, Lloyd Christmas and Dumb and Dumber, and I said, I was thinking, so you're telling me there's a chance. Like, that's, uh, that's, uh, that seems like the odds are stacked against you. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, would, it would seem like those odds are, are, are a little bit stacked against you. Now, do you fill out a bracket? Like, do you get into that? I do. I filled out, you know, and this has been my problem. I filled out a great bracket in 10th grade, and I won our team's bracket at Ross Shep because I picked the final four perfect, and I had UConn playing Duke, but I picked Duke to win it, and UConn won. So since then, I think every year, I'm going to equal that. That was 19 years ago, and I'm on a pretty bad losing streak. So uh, it is really uh, inexact science. I think when some people say they uh, they have a great bracket going, you almost have to say, well, I'd like to see that just for proof because some of these games are, are just wild. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. And I've I've got to watch bits and pieces of the tournament. Obviously had a couple of uh, Oilers game days throughout the tournament. I got to see a little bit more yesterday, and I thought I watched, Steve, two of the most exciting games in the tournament so far that could have been two of the biggest upsets, and that was Tennessee surviving against Iowa and Duke surviving against uh, uh, against UCF. I, I don't know which you could, but I mean, that end of that Duke game, I, I'm sure people listening have seen the highlights. If not, this is worth a Google. I'm sure you can just put in last shot UCF, end of the Duke game yesterday. Like, the guy has a tip a put-back tip to knock out the number one team. Like I thought that was—I don't—I thought that was going to go in, Steve. That was amazing. I, I think anyone who was watching it—it it doesn't even matter if you're a Duke fan. I mean, it, it, or, or whoever. It was a like fall out of your seat moment. It was to have the one, the first shot to be to look like it had a chance too, but then the tip and debate looked like it was sitting inside the rim and at the very last second said, nah, you're going to pop on out of there. So it was, I mean, it was heartbreaking to watch. It's one of the most amazing things about the tournament is these storylines and the narratives that, that pop up so quickly because I can bet that not a lot of people were paying attention to UCF as of three days ago. They win an opening round game. All of a sudden you're playing the number one team in the country and you come within a tip-in to advance the Sweet 16 and have the biggest upset of the year. I mean, it was, I mean, the thing that overshadows it with, with an ending like that is that was an incredible game. Like, that was such a well-played college basketball game. So, I mean, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It was, that was, that was all the reasons why you watch Mark Madness. It was, it was such a treat to watch. Do you think, and, and obviously from an athlete's perspective, and then you've, you know, played in hundreds of, clutch moments in games yourself both as a pro and three on three and in the NCAA is it hard to be a favorite if you get pushed late into the second half I mean does it come down to the mental side because if you're a top team you should have the physical ability right like the better players go to those schools right and that's why they're powerhouse teams but 
is, does it become the mental herder if you if you get pushed by an underdog deep into the second half? I think so. Um, you know, I, I went to the NCAA tournament once when I was at San Diego State. We played Illinois, and Illinois was they were a year or two before they went to the NCAA final, and they uh, they were awfully good. And we were playing in the United Center where the Bulls play, so it was basically a home game for them in Chicago, and they beat the living hell out of us. And it was one of those games where it was like. From the jump, you could just tell this is not going to work for us. We're, we were just getting pumped from the, from the start. The game before us, Creighton had upset Florida. And it was one of those games we were watching from the back. It was like, Florida has better athletes. Florida jumps higher. They run quicker. But Creighton believes they can win. And they've made enough plays where they, they trust their plan. They, they're well scouted. They're, they've been waiting all year to take cracks at these bigger teams and the bigger conferences. And they, I think that's a huge part of, of what goes into these upsets. And it also can play against top, the higher-ranked teams. The goal along with it is you've got to go into the tournament believing you're going to win. And if you take that big swing from Duke or from Florida or from these big, huge programs and you're still standing, anything can happen. If you trust your system, you trust your preparation, you trust your coaching – all these sorts of things. You're put in a position now where it's all of a sudden it's like, you know what, in 40 minutes we can beat a top top team. Maybe if we played them in a seven-game series it might be different, but one day we can be better than these teams and we can move on in the tournament. Well, what's it like playing in a tournament game like when you when you run out on the court? Now, you, had, so, but you mentioned you had the unfortunate um, luck, I guess, of, of the seedings working out of playing virtually a road <laughs> game, but I would think the fans are usually going to be behind the underdog, especially if it's a 16-1, 15-2, ones like that, because everybody loves the big upset, right? For sure. When when we went and played uh, the Illini in Chicago, no one was rooting for an upset. Everyone was uh, an Illini fan. Everyone was wearing orange. And uh, they were so so good that it was just, you know, let's see, we were hanging with them, and then they hit a few shots and got out and couple, got a couple dunks, and you're looking around, and you're going, man, this might be, uh, this might get ugly quick. So it was, um, you, it was that atmosphere of if there's an upset in the making, people love that, and they're going to jump right behind it. But I think in the beginning, that's really open to whatever happens. So if you come out and it's, it's a dogfight, the respect I think that the fans give you of uh, we're gonna we're gonna push for a great game and you know what everyone loves the upset so there's gonna be noise for that but if a home team's if a home team or a higher seed is taking care of business it's gonna seem awfully loud for them when they keep running up that score but uh, that that's, again that's that's the magic of, of March Madness is uh, it's amazing on TV and then when you get in that atmosphere it's there aren't words it's just it's it's an it's an incredible thing to be a part of. And it's, it's every bit as exciting as it looks on TV and, and then some. Uh, I just quickly Googled that. 2002 San Diego State featuring our guest Steve Sturr, Steve Sir playing Illinois in Chicago. So it was a 13 seed against a four. Uh, and, yeah, unfortunately they beat you 93-64. So, so you mentioned you, like you just got the sense, okay, this – I mean, look, I'm not, I know athletes don't give up or throw in the towel – but you're not idiots either. Like you, <laughs> you, you recognize no. the reality, right? No, and and that it was exactly what it was. I mean, you spent all week preparing. You you're pumped up, and hey, like when Creighton ran off the floor uh, against Florida, they ran right by us and said, "Guys, like you can do this too." So it wasn't like some anyone approached the game of like, you know what, we're not going to win this. Absolutely not. I mean, 
being a part of that atmosphere, um, my senior year, I participated in the three-point contest for the NCAA. So you, you get taken out to the final four, and you're around all the hoopla, and you're around on the hype. No one at any of these games thinks they're going to lose because, I mean, sheesh, you, you, you've done everything to get there. You've bucked all these odds to, to qualify in your, in your conference seasons, especially the smaller schools. But then when you're in the heat of it, and it's emotional, and it's tense, and it is loud and there are really bright lights and all of a sudden you look up and you go man we're, we're getting smacked like i mean reality does set in a little bit like you got to fight to either get back in it or you just got to play your butt off right to the end because the last thing you want to do is think i left a tournament game i didn't try my best i left a tournament game i left something on the floor leave the best that you have out there, and the result is the result but like you said you know you're not out there acting stupid i mean you you know that boy this this was a this was a shellacking and you know what that's the way it goes because there's i mean there were other years where i missed the tournament uh with our northern arizona team and we would have loved to go to the tournament and have to take on one of those big guys and maybe maybe have a loss it's just it's the magic of march you just you go and you do your best and you prepare and the results are the results are you still the uh, ncaa career leader for three-point shooting percentage nobody's passed you yet not yet no still hanging on and i think you had a higher three-point shooting percentage than a two-point percentage I think I might have, yeah. I, I might. That sounds right. Well, shows you were really, really good at three-point shooting, and you didn't <laughs> shoot enough from the inside to get a good percentage, right? That's. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I, I got ripped. I got ripped off. They didn't. They didn't let me uh, shoot enough from the inside to to pad my stats. What's going on with your three-on-three uh, -three stuff, Steve? I know usually we talk to you about that. What's happening with that? Well, we actually we just played our first tournament over the uh, this past weekend yesterday here in Edmonton, uh, and we won that, and we qualified to play in uh, in an event called the Challenger in Wuxi, China, April 13th and 14th, and then the weekend right after that we'll take a short little trip and stay in China and play in an event, another Challenger in the city of Nanjing. So we'll be a part of the two first major events of the three x three season. And then in May, we'll head down to Malaysia and play in Penang in another challenger. And then based off where how we do in those three tournaments, we'll dictate if we qualify for uh, the bigger tournaments that the challengers feed into called Masters. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, our season's in full swing. The, uh, the 3X3 season really hits hard in, in April, and that goes straight through to the end of October. So we're, uh, we're currently ranked 22nd in the world. And uh, if we do well in, in these tournaments right out of the gate, that'll, that'll have us rise up the rankings quickly and, and uh, put us in a position to really pursue being a, being a top team in the world and uh, go after our, our goals for the 2019 season. Right on. Steve, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for talking about the NCAA tournament and sharing some of your memories of playing in the tournament and in the NCAA. Uh, you're, a, you're a great uh, inspiration for ball players here in Edmonton. And I got to love a text I just got from a listener who says, yeah, but if you enter two brackets, that's one in 4.5 quintillion. Not bad odds. <laughs> you, so you're telling me there's a chance. There's a yeah, way better chance. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Steve, sir, love talking to him. He loves his hoops uh, and, uh, yeah, played in the NCAA tournament as, as a big underdog, didn't go their way. But like you said, the years he was on teams that, that didn't get the opportunity, he would have loved the chance to be there. Love having him on the show. You will meet this week's.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30, Chet MVP when we get back. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Time to meet this week's 630 Chet MVP presented by Elite Promotional Marketing. This athlete has also been featured on Global News. You can find the video under the MVP section on 630Chet.com. And the MVP also gets Under Armour Apparel, courtesy Elite Promotional Marketing. And I'm pleased to welcome to the show Jaden Bogdan. Jaden, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for making time for me tonight. Uh, how's your uh, How's your hockey season going? You're playing uh, the, in the playing some midget AAA, right? Yeah, it's pretty amazing so far. Are you into the playoffs or what's happening? Um, we actually just won provincials yesterday. Oh, perfect timing! Well, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, what team do you play for? Uh, Saint Albert Slash. Who's your coach? Uh, Dan Ockenberg. You're kidding me. Nope. <laughs> I used to uh, cover his teams in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Well, I- I'm glad you were able to achieve that despite his coaching. I hope he's listening so he knows I'm giving him a hard time. Uh, who'd you beat in the provincial file? Uh, Calgary Fire. Oh, good. You beat a Calgary team. People will be happy to hear that. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> now, you were the leading scorer in the league this year, weren't you? Uh, I was actually second. My line mate was first. Okay. who Who's your line mate and how come you clicked so well together? <laughs> Uh, Madison Willen, and I've played with her for three years now, so we just have a lot of chemistry. Okay. All right. And you also played for Alberta in the Canada Winter Games in Red Deer. That wrapped up earlier this month. Tell us a little bit about going through the tournament. What did you have to go through to make the team, first of all? Um, Well, the team was picked back in September, so we started training in May and just went through a bunch of tryout processes throughout the summer, and there's a bunch of camps and cuts during the summer throughout that. And then basically the team was made. We had a few more uh, training sessions, and then we were at the games. Okay, so you had a little bit of chance to, to gel and get to know your teammates before the tournament yeah. then? For sure, yeah. Okay, now you're, you're, a, you're a scorer. You usually rack up points, but I understand for most of the tournament, it wasn't quite going uh, how, you, how you were used to in terms of getting the points. How come? Yeah, it was definitely an adjustment I had to make. Going into the tournament, I was hoping to get on the scoreboard a few more times, but I definitely finished when I needed to, and it ended up being a really great goal. So I finished when it counted, so it was all good. <laughs> the the final game, Alberta against Quebec. Tell me about your goal and uh, why, why it turned out to be so important. Well, it was the game-winning goal, which we didn't know then because it was 2-1 score. Um, Daniel Serdakny, my line mate, just made an incredible pass cross crease and I put it five hole and overall that was just it was a big goal it was tied 1-1 earlier so yeah it was an amazing goal and a great pass so what was it like winning that gold medal especially with the the games being held in Alberta oh definitely amazing experience overall just even the crowd like throughout the day our energy grew and 
getting closer to the rink just made it that much special being held at home and just the environment you just felt the energy and being on the ice it definitely transferred okay now so provincials is is this it now you're done for the spring and the summer or what else are you going to do hockey wise um so next two weeks from now we go to pacifics and we actually host this year versus the top team in bc and then it's a three-game series versus them and then whoever wins out of that goes to nationals Oh, cool. So lots more still to come. Well, oh, awesome. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, we'll have to keep an eye on your team for sure. Jane, thanks for checking in. It's great to have you on 630 Chet, and congratulations on being this week's 630 Chet MVP. Thank you so much. That is Jaden Bogdan checking in from the St. Albert Slash. So they win provincials and uh, playing for Alberta at the Canada Winter Games. She got the game-winning goal in the gold medal game to help Alberta beat Quebec. Good stuff. The 630 Chet MVP presented by Elite Promotional Marketing. You also heard tonight from Steve Sir, Jonathan Harkey, Jay Woodcroft, Brad Lauer. Thanks to everybody who texted in as well. Tomorrow, the Oilers play at 7. Our coverage starts with the face-off show at 5.30. The producer of Inside Sports is Dave Campbell. The studio producer this evening, the one and only Kellen Kennedy. Maple Leafs finish off the Panthers 7-5 the final. Four goals for Tavares. Bruins and Lightning now tied 4-4 in the third. Kings leading the Flames 1-0 after the first. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Inside Sports. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.